Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Wise Woman Podcast. I am so excited to have my longtime client and friend, Hannah Duffy, on this episode. Hannah is going to share a little bit of her story, and then we are going to talk about design thinking and innovation. We talk about the sober, curious movement, conscious leadership, some of Hannah's spiritual practices. I'm so excited for this episode. May it serve you. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Wise Woman Podcast. I'm so grateful to be present with you today. I have my gal pal and client, Hannah Duffy, on the call with me. Hannah is a design researcher and innovation consultant for conscious and social impact brands. Hannah, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. It's such a joy. So we're going to dive into so many topics about conscious brands and how you show up for your soulmate clients. But first, can you tell us a little bit about your backstory? Sure. So my background is in, I studied product design or also called industrial design. And I really wanted to develop products and be part of this uh, up and coming space around product design. But what I really realized was that I wanted to develop products and services that actually made an impact and actually mattered. So after winning an international student uh, design award um, after school with my thesis, I then jumped into the world of user experience research or UX research, which is very common in the tech world, spent about eight years there, and then decided that I really knew in my heart that I really knew, knew I needed to start my own business. So left the nine nine to five world with nothing lined up and um, really started to explore what it means to be an entrepreneur and develop, uh, you know, network with folks and really, really find my, my niche, kind of my niche and exactly where I wanted to um, focus. And eventually through a, um, you know, after my dark night of the soul and really experiencing some really deep transformation uh, with my own life. I discovered really where I wanted to end up. And that is where I am now. (laughs) Hannah, you're amazing. And just because I know you and I know your story, you're a meditation expert. You've lived in so many different places. Can you just tell us that decision to shift, right? You mentioned the dark night of the soul. Can you tell us a little bit more about what got you to where you are now? Yes. So actually my, my mother passed away in 2012 and that was the catalyst for me to really start to just go away, you know, kind of leave the nest, if you will, and just really find myself. And so I moved to London for part of that, uh, the stint where I worked for eight years for the corporate world. And I, um, discovered, uh, I actually rediscovered food and that was kind of my first, my first kind of gateway into, yeah, my gateway into really better understanding myself and learning who I was and what I, what meant, what, you know, what did I truly care about in this world? And so I realized that because my mom passed away from cancer, that I really wanted to make a healthier, live a healthier lifestyle. So I discovered this cooking class, which then led me into some transformational programs in London, which then led me down my self-awareness path and so forth. And so it really, it almost was like this, these phases of 
okay, this matters to me. I want to do this in my life. This matters to me. And then finally kind of fine tuning that to the point now where it's like, yes, nutrition and food is very important to me. But, um, I originally wanted that to be my only focus for my business and focus only on those types of clients. And what I realized was that the the deeper I got through my, you know, after my dark night and the deeper I got into spirituality and meditation, the more I realized, actually, there's this whole world out there of, of folks living that same lifestyle around food and having that consciousness and presence around food, but also around the way they live their life through, or maybe the way they lead and, um, and there's different leaders out there that want to make a difference, but it's just in different ways. And I realized that those were just as important to me. Um, and also the fact that we heal ourselves through healing our trauma and that that's actually this like overarching umbrella. And then food is just an avenue for that. It's not necessarily yeah. like the answer. Yeah, that's absolutely transformational. Can you, in addition to your diet and your lifestyle, and I mean, sitting with this dark night of the soul, experiencing this trauma and really holding you in, holding you in that space, sometimes it takes something really devastating to create a really big shift in our lives. Did this also bring meditation and spiritual practice into your life? It did, but not for a while after. So my mom passed away in 2012. She was in hospice with cancer. It was it was absolutely devastating for me at the time. And three years later, I moved to London. And so about five years after my mom died is when I started to meditate. And the only reason was because in my mind at the time was because I had a very challenging client who was bringing up a lot of triggers, a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress. And my life was, was, it felt like I had absolutely no control over my body because I was triggered all the time. And there was a lot of grief there that I hadn't quite processed. Um, so meditation was pretty much, I only started because I wanted to just not be so stressed. So I started with two minutes a day. And after the course of about six months, I was up to 30 minutes a day. And it was absolutely, it was, it was so helpful and people started to notice and I started to feel better. Um, so I accidentally, um, through meditation really discovered what I like to joke about is like, I discovered the universe by accident. It just essentially, yeah, it just essentially, I started for stress. I started to de-stress and then over time, something else started to happen where I started to feel part of other people and deeper compassion for other folks and something started to change. And I couldn't even tell anyone what it was. Um, I think deep October actually talks about this where it's like the first phase is, is to de-stress. The second phase is, um, you kind of dive deeper and you start to discover different things about yourself. And then the third, third phase is like this kind of, you know, eventually you kind of get deep, even more deeply connected. And so that's really what happened to me. And it was kind of interesting. <laughs> that's incredible. And I know when you and I started working together, we were focusing a lot on you sharing meditation. And I think that's so incredible that you as a meditation expert and how your business has really evolved to supporting people in their practice has now shifted into integrating your corporate background and your purpose energy, your dharma. So I feel so grateful that I got to witness that shift. But can you tell us a little bit about the importance of user research and the things that you're really working on right now? Sure. So... 
I, I'll kind of start. So I am a design researcher and innovation consultant, but really, um, and that what that essentially means is um, as, a, as a design researcher, it's another term for user research or user experience researcher. And it, it really encompasses um, better understanding users, talking to users. And these can be clients, these can be customers. Users is just kind of a generic word for people that use a product or service or, or use your, you know, your business essentially. And so um, innovation, I like to say, is kind of this, it's, it's also quite overarching as well because you can innovate when you do design research and it's part of that process. So in terms of innovation in general, what I'm really working towards right now is there's kind of these, these couple of different buckets um, where I'm really passionate about. And the first, the first area is um, all about conscious brands and conscious businesses. And so within that space, there might be um, spiritual leaders or coaches. I'm also really passionate about the sober space and the sober community and the sober movement. Uh, that's really big right here uh, where I am in Denver right now as well. And so what I am excited to do is work with these soulmate clients of mine that kind of fall under these categories and help them better understand their users in a way they haven't before. So instead of just a survey or just getting information from your clients, when you do one-to-one sessions with them, really actually taking the time to ask open-ended questions that lead you into um, answers to questions that you have always wanted to hear and to get them from all these, these potential clients or maybe your current clients, or maybe folks that have said no to you in the past, but actually, or have decided to not move forward with a working with a business or maybe your organization and really better understanding the why behind their background, or sorry, the why behind their decision-making and their behaviors, and also getting an understanding of their current challenges and their needs. And this is this is design research. This is really diving into deeply into these folks' these folks' lives and um, understanding what's going on for them right now. And so when you ask the same set of questions, these open-ended big blue, blue sky questions, um, to even a handful, even 10 people, um, whether it's 10 potential customers or a handful of current customers or possibly folks that have said know or decided to not use a a program or service in the past, what we start to see is themes and trends. And these trends become these areas of opportunity. And so you see all these different trends that might be challenges, um, common challenges that you're starting to see that maybe you, you saw, but you're actually starting to see them in a different way. Or maybe there's an insight that's gathered from these talking to these folks that actually um, you've never even thought of before, and you would never have gotten from a survey or even just an Instagram um, live with chats or even an Instagram kind of uh, those questions, which is, which are still great ways to get feedback, but this is even like, a, a, you know, the next level, like next level way of getting this understanding of your users. And then you take that and you bring it into a design workshop and I facilitate those. And we, we, we essentially bridge the gap from that research to brand new ideas um, there's so many different techniques that you can do um, in these design workshops where you can really, really get brand new ideas and you always want to get more ideas. Um, so it's always quality over quantity in the beginning. You just want tons and tons of ideas because then that will help you really um, square down and, and eventually um, uh, kind of identify some of those top ones and you end up voting and that sort of thing. So those are that's kind of the process I like to take with my clients of um, transforming from 
where do we want to go? We want to go in the direction of innovation. We want to kind of be the next, you know, the next leader in this particular space, or we want a new program or a new product or a new platform or whatever it may be. And sometimes clients don't even know what they want. And that's the fun in it is let's just, let's just go through this process. And you know that you want to um, become the next level leader that you are or organization that you are, and we can, we can get there. And you, the, the exciting part is that we go into the unknown. We go into the ambiguity, ambiguity is my, it's my best friend. I love ambiguity because it's <gasps> so exciting to be able to, it's kind of a weird thing. Not many people are, but I love it. And it's so fun. And then you end up with these things that you would never, these ideas and these oh, solutions that are just so exciting that you would have never thought of before. So that's kind of that direction that I love going. And it's in the spaces of conscious brands and also social impact. I didn't mention that before, but social impact is something I'm also really learning more about and wanting to dive deeper in, particularly in the space of poverty and homelessness. So that's kind of that in a nutshell. And that's why I love working with you so much, because I know the massive shifts that you are creating and will continue to create in in the world sometimes just starts with the brain dumps that we have on our calls together. So it's so fun to witness and it's so amazing to be present with you on this journey. I want to ground this a little bit just for anyone who's listening. What does this actually look like? So if somebody is to reach out and they want to work with you, they're an entrepreneur, maybe they're a conscious brand or they are more social impact. What are some of the initial steps that you would take with this potential client to transform their, their business or help them get what they most desire? Of course. So I always start out with some initial discovery calls because unlike in the coaching world where you can really get a sense for someone, the first, the first kind of short call, because this is such a big decision for a business or a leader organization, um, I like to have at least one, sometimes one and a half, um, maybe even two, if needed discovery calls. And in those calls, I really get a sense for what's going on in your business, where you, you know, what direction do you want to take your business and how, how, this is one big question, how willing are you to innovate? Like how far will you go? So how blue sky do we want to go? Um, how, how big do you want to go? How um, innovative are you and excited are you to innovate in the space that you're in? So that's kind of the first phase, first step, very, very first step. It's almost like step zero. I guess, if you will. And then once we decide to work together after those calls, then I would do an initial formal uh, kickoff call. And that kickoff call is where we really define the key research questions for the research. And what I mean by key research questions, those are questions that we, we don't, it's not the questions that we ask the users, but it's the questions that the team wants to know. So what do you want to know? I just want to know why do folks do XYZ? Why aren't they signing up? Why do they sign up? Why do they fall off after a certain period of time? Why don't they finish my course? Why do they, um, why do only some groups of people, uh, you know, buy from my product or service or program, but this other whole world of folks that I really want to target, why aren't they buying from me or why, you know, why do they explore it, but then maybe don't. So those are some of the examples of questions. And that's in that initial, that's in that um, formal kickoff call. And then the next phase would be, well, in that kickoff call, we actually also need to identify who do we want to talk to? And that's really important as well. But we, together, we would make that decision based on the objectives that the, um, of the client, of course. 
And then after we had that kickoff call, then I would actually facilitate the research interviews. And those interviews <clears throat> excuse me, would range anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour. They're typically on Zoom, but because I live in Denver, I'm also very, I'm also happy to go local. I'm also happy to travel as well. Um, I also, and the thing about um, in-person interviews is actually going into people's homes, which is kind of a, you know, the next level of the research if you wanted to go that that deep but that can be phenomenally super super interesting of course as well um then after the research then i would go through an uh, an analysis phase of analysis phase of really better understanding what did we what would we pull out of that research what did we learn what findings did we take away from what insights came out of that i would do a debrief with the client and then I would provide them with uh, a report, but the best part about the report isn't just, here's a brain dump of everything we learned. It's actually actionable recommendations. And along with that, we can also do a little mini workshop um, depending upon the needs of the client, of course, but the workshop would be, um, it could either be on Zoom or it could be in person. It could be an hour, it could be an all day thing. It doesn't matter based on what we really wanna complete. And we would take the findings and my recommendations, and then we could also brainstorm so that we have a clear, actionable next steps. We either, whether that means digital concepts and wireframes from a, um, for an app, or maybe it's next steps and actually like going through the schedule with the team and saying, okay, short-term goals based on what we just came out of this workshop what do we need to do as a team and i can really help define those so it's not just here's this report enjoy it's actually actionable items and actionable next steps and i love integrating after that as well and kind of spending even an hour or two in the next several months helping them integrate that and even helping them you know connect or network with the folks that would need to help them to develop those products Hannah, that's so cool. It's really the integration of, of your expertise. So it comes together so, so perfectly. It's really fun. Okay. Something that you and I have been talking a lot about is in addition to social impact and conscious brands is the sober curious movement. And it's, I especially love following you on social media and seeing you at these like amazing parties and it's always conscious and it's always sober and it's always grounded. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you're excited about in this area? Yes. So I've, I've been, and when I say sober, I mean, I haven't been drinking, um, for the last four years and some folks say sober, some say non-alcoholic, it just depends. Um, but what I'm most excited about is that fact that now there are, I feel like almost half the people I meet in this space, at least in the community I'm in here in Denver, have stopped drinking or are on a break from drinking or um, only don't drink that much. And so just, just being more conscious about their alcohol intake. And that in and of itself is incredible and a huge step for our, um, for society from going from, you know, when I was in college and all I did was drink. So what's, what I'm excited about now is that because this is an actually growing movement and the people I'm meeting reflect the trends in the in the market, if you, if you kind of Google it, it's a huge industry and it's going to be even bigger in the next yeah. five years. And I can start to see changes, big changes being made. So there's a sober bar here in Denver, um, called awake and I will plug them because they're amazing. And I don't even, I won't, you know, don't get anything for this. I just absolutely love them. So if you ever come to Denver, definitely check them out. 
Um, and then there's a cup, there's always a handful of events going on in Denver. And I've heard in other cities as well, um, where it's sober or non-alcoholic <clears throat> and just giving folks who are exploring that space, a space to feel safe, to be able to do that. Because I, one example is when I'm my birthday party is this weekend and I'm actively looking for a space where I can feel safe and comfortable and excited to go dance with my girlfriends. Um, and that doesn't really exist just now, just yet. And so I'm actually, I actually want to create the first sober nightclub or, or some, some place to go enjoy and have fun, um, late into the evening on weekends. And so who knows if that will happen, but that's kind of a dream of mine. So hopefully somebody will create that in the, in the future. Um, but I'm also really excited about even just using my skill set that I just explained to see how, what other ideas, what other ways can we serve this space? And one, one thing I've learned is that um, folks who are in sobriety um, have found that the space of kind of going to this sober bar has been really helpful and exciting to be able to kind of have a drink in that social aspect of it with your friends. Um, but the sober curious folks who are kind of curious or maybe just taking a step out to explore, um, you know, not drinking, they're a little bit more hesitant to go out, I guess. And so we're not quite why. And that's something that I would, I'm hope, hopefully I can kind of help better understand the why of that. Um, but I think it also happens to be that if you're a little bit curious about it, you're also maybe you have your friends around you aren't curious. And so there's some judgment and shame there. And that, that was the, that was truth for me, at least. Um, there was some judgment and shame on myself. And then I was also nervous that other people around me would judge that, oh, I don't, I'm, I'm not drinking as much. And I did get that in the beginning. Um, and it was, it wasn't fun to, to kind of hear that reflection back, whether it was on a date or, you know, just going out with people. And so, um, I'm just excited for change in the space for more. There's more, always more brands, um, of different drinks coming out. So that's exciting. Um, I think for, for me though, that most exciting part is the space and to create more spaces more conscious spaces so folks can feel safe to really explore this and not feel judged and feel excited to um kind of you know expand and kind of try it out themselves hannah what you are speaking about is not only a legacy brand but it's creating something that doesn't really exist right now and needs to exist this idea of safety this place where people are shifting their relationships to substances or food or their body or like their connection to self and a place mm -hmm. where they can go hang out with their friends and not be worried about who's watching them or who's going to um, kind of peer pressure them to drink if it's not in alignment with them. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm really excited for you. Yeah. I, I see you as the, as the face of this movement, absolutely. And you keep mentioning, I, I feel like this all comes back to your spiritual practices, the groundwork that you you laid for yourself in 2012 and, and after living in London and then living in Chicago and California and Denver and all the other places that you've been. What are some of your spiritual practices right now? Mm, oh, I love that question. So I meditate every day. And I, I wake up in the morning. I typically will uh, go straight into meditation in the morning, but what I've also come to learn is that it's okay if I don't do it straight away in the morning. And if I want to eat breakfast first, 
I let myself on weekends sometimes. Um, but my practice is typically waking up and then meditating. I typically will do first, I just sit in silence and I'll probably have some crystals around me or a beautiful candle to help me ground with the light off on my little, um, meditation rug. And it helps me just remember that when I'm on that rug, when I'm in that space, that is my time for myself. So I'll start in silence. That is my, by far my favorite thing to do is just be in silence. And in that silence, I will have to always use that mindfulness practice of coming back to the breath or coming back to the body. So I always start with that. That is just the best thing for me, the medicine for me that I need every single day. And then I will sometimes do, I'm really passionate about Kundalini and I'm also going to be get Kundalini. I'm going to Kundalini teacher training soon. So I'm very excited about that. And I know that Aaron is, is as well. Um, but I will do, sometimes I'll do a Kundalini uh, meditation um, or practice after that silence. Um, cause I just, I'm so passionate about it and I just love it. It's really, really transformed, um, a lot of my life over the last few years. And then I will, um, I always write in my gratitude journal or I tap into the gratitude in my heart. Um, and I've le- really learned that gratitude on a daily basis is so, so helpful to wire, rewire those brains tra- and transform those seemingly lack thoughts into, no, I actually have so much and I have all that I need right now. So my gratitude practice has been super, super helpful. And one of the most important things in my practice. Um, And then lately I've kind of gotten into also singing or chanting, um, whether that be um, a Kundalini or maybe another, something else that I kind of explored or discovered on inside timer or um, in different YouTube spiritual leaders that I follow on YouTube as well. So it just depends. And then I always like to end and ground just kind of, um, visualizing myself safe and surrounded by white light, um, and really giving myself that kind of last grounding, um, essence, but it just depends. Every day is different. This is amazing. It's inspirational. I'm with you in the, in the silent seated practice first thing in the morning. I think, something about just connecting to your breath and your body, like the absolute most basic practice is also the most transformational. Definitely. It's so helpful because it just, it's almost like, I remember hearing this, it's not necessarily a quote, it's kind of this, this idea of, I, like no one else has access to me. First, I have only have access to myself. No one has access to me until I am like I get to experience my own energy in that mm. silence first and foremost and my breath. You're right. I also do breath work. I forgot to mention, and it's like reconnecting to that breath and really realizing how special that is. Um, I actually have one little funny anecdote I need to share Yeah, <laughs> about this. So real quick. So a few weeks ago, I was roller skating at a roller rink. And I fell on my back to the point where I got the wind knocked out of me. And in that moment, I typically would have gone into fear mode, um, but I, I couldn't, I only could take short breaths. And that was this heat. I was, was actually a really important moment for me of like, wow. And how much I take advantage of my breath. I just am so used to it. And in that moment, I just really valued those short little breaths and I, and I practice not going into fear mode because my meditation practice helps me and my nervous system. And I just stayed with that small little amount of breath 
And then slowly, like the breath came back to me. And I realized like in that, it was such a powerful experience actually, because just reminded me of how important my breath is and how I, I don't, I shouldn't take it for granted. And we need to not take it for granted because without it, we would be completely lost. So I just want to yeah, honor how important the breath is. <laughs> yeah, that's an amazing, it's an amazing story. I, I just redid my best friend's dating profile. And one of the, one of the options was like two truths and a lie. And I said that yeah. she was a competitive roller blader. Like, <laughs> and that was the wow. lie. Um, but you, cause rollerblading and roller skating, it's so fun. It's, um, yeah, it's a really fun practice. Hannah, that's amazing. If this episode goes viral, if we could get your wisdom in the ears of all people around the world, what are some words that you would want to say to these people? Be kind to yourself. Be mm-hmm. kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself. That's probably Amen. the main thing I would say. <laughs> Beautiful. A woman. I love that. How can we find you? So I'm on Instagram at handbands193. H-A-N-B-A-N-S-193. Um, I'm also on Facebook, just my name, and then my email as well. Um, I don't know if you want me to read my email. Sure. Okay. It's Hannah, H-A-N-N-A-H dot Irene, I-R-E-N-E dot Duffy, D-U-F-F-Y at gmail.com. Beautiful. Hannah, amazing. I just want to add in here that you are offering deep dive sessions, uh, maybe even they're free, maybe once a month. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you want yes, to tell us so, about that? Sure. So yes, free deep dive two hour workshops where essentially we wouldn't be able to do user research, but we would be able to really uh, get the essence of user research through just pulling information from the client. So we would start with that and then we would innovate come up with brand new ideas based on some of those, just so they can get an idea of what we could do together if we did actually do a, um, a full project. So definitely offering those. Um, so reach out to me if that is of interest. Beautiful. Hannah, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being present. Thank you. So grateful for this opportunity. Thank you everyone for being present for this episode. If you liked it, we would love to hear what you have to say about it. Please leave a five-star review. That means so much to us. Please leave a comment. When you leave a comment, it ranks us higher on all podcast platforms so more people can hear wisdom from Hannah's episode, from all of the episodes on the Wise Woman Podcast. My signature mastermind, the Limitless Mastermind, is open for enrollment. Should you desire feeling deeply limitless, taking up space, launching and building a legacy brand, please DM me on Instagram at Aaron R. Doppelt and we can have you join the Limitless Mastermind should it be an aligned fit. Thank you all so much for being here. Have the best day and feel good until next time.